What's going on, good people? So, like, let's just say that you got saved recently. Let's say you went to a revival, you went to a church, something moved you, and the preacher, the preacher said, uh, repeat a prayer after me, and you gave your life to Christ. And you're like, you know, what did I just do? I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you. Okay, so here, here's the deal. Like, um, we don't often know that we're, like, not okay people. Uh, I think most of us think that we're perfect. We think that there's something about us and everybody else in the world is wrong, but we're, we're mommy's little baby. And, you know, as children, that's beautiful. That's like great and wonderful. Your parents nurtured you. Uh, but so, at some point we come to realize that we're not the center of the universe. And I know that in your mind, you are the main character, but the truth of the matter is that there are 7.5 billion people on this earth and you're not the main character. Uh, but you came to know, you you gave your life to the main character, and his name was Jesus. And so now you're trying to figure out, what do I do, and does that mean that I'm one of those weird Christians uh, that can't do anything, go anywhere, or accept any place? And the answer is yes and no. Okay? So I, wa I want to I hang out here because here's the deal. Man in the beginning of time failed. God um, had this desire to have communion with 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 man actually in the very very beginning like the god in the like genesis 1 1 the very beginning uh god creates the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and there was it was with void now if you hang out in ezekiel you find out that lucifer was in heaven and he was thrown out of heaven um and he got put out he got put out because he wanted to be god um, and Lucifer, who is Satan, who is behind many of the evil forces, all of the evil forces on the earth, um, was a minstrel. He was a singer. He was a musician and he was extremely gifted. He was one of the highest angels in heaven. Like he, he was marvelous. His job was to usher in great music to worship God. But the people, the well, the angels in heaven talked about how great he was, like how, how marvelous his praise was. And he began to notice that God's praise was attractive. And if we could be honest, we kind of like that feeling. We really enjoy what it feels like to be praised. And in church, that word is usually is reserved for God. But the truth of the matter is we praise people. Oh, you look so beautiful. That's praise. You did such a good job. That's praise. Man, you are killing. That's praise. I love your car. That's praise. I'm really enjoying that series you're teaching. That's praise. You killed that workshop. That's praise. Babe, you cleaned the kitchen so great. That's praise. And so we we kind of enjoy praise. And, and, and it's not all bad. You got to think about it. In case you didn't know, in the Christian Bible, there is a verse that says, we were made in the image of God. It is called the Imago Dei. And I might talk about that another day, but there's no reason to go that deep today. But here's the deal. If I was made in the image of God, God literally looked at himself and put pieces of himself in man when he made man. There are things about me that like what God likes. And there are also things about me that want what God has. And in many cases, that's not bad. But the moment that I begin to want praise and worship or I live for it, we have a problem because I'm broken. See, in the garden, this thing happened. God creates the heavens and the earth. 
And I believe it's the Psalms that tell us that heaven is God's throne and earth is his footstool. So he creates the heavens and, and the earth. He creates a habitat. He forms this garden called the Garden of Eden that is stocked full of everything. I mean, like everything, like grapes and muscadines and oranges and satsuma oranges and navel oranges and bananas and kiwi and pineapples and pi pineapples that look like blue, that are blue and avocados and all kind of marvelous things. Like God stocks it full of all kind of lush things. And I would imagine that the Garden of Eden was a prompt, like 72 degrees, like perfectly primed for everything that I could possibly want and need. It was everything that they could possibly want. I see waterfalls and I see like every, everything I can imagine. I bet the grass was so lush under their feet that it just drove them up, up. Like it was so comfortable. I would imagine that even the rocks were, were comfortable and they were moving through this garden. God creates the heavens and the earth and he makes man in his image and he puts him in this paradise of a place, more beautiful than Hawaii could ever imagine, nicer than what the Maldives hoped to be, more beautiful than, than the rolling hills of South Carolina, more beautiful than the beautiful stock photos of Boulder, Colorado, more beautiful than every, the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen. He makes this garden, he puts it there, and he puts a man who he has made in his image, and God has created man in his image because he had to replace what he had lost. He had lost praise. The chief praise and worship leader is out of heaven. Now, the angels are in heaven, and you can read your Bible in Revelation eventually, and it tells you in, in chapter 4 that the, the four beasts are continually saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We, we know that, but the chief, the guy who is over praise and worship, I've had to put out because he wanted worship, and he turned a third of the angels against me. This is God. And so I make man, and I made him in my image, and I love him. Now, he's not an angel. He's a little lower than the angels. We learned that in Psalm 8. He's not a god or a demigod, but I made him in the image of me. This is God talking. And so we, what we see is God himself makes man he stocks the garden full of every good and wonderful thing. And when he stocks the garden full of every good and wonderful thing, he gives them a choice. He gives them a choice. He puts this tree in the garden called the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now there are banana trees and the tree of life is there. There are pineapple trees and kiwi vines and grape vines and apple trees and orange trees and everything you could ever imagine in this garden. And God says, Adam, I love you so much. You can eat from anything here. But don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Satan, who has this chip on his shoulder, shows up one day and he asks Adam's wife, Eve, he says, hey, 
Did God say you couldn't eat from that tree? And she said, yeah, yeah, we can't eat from that tree, but we can eat from anything else. Everything else is ours. It has been marvelous here. I'm enjoying this thing called life. Right. And Satan continues, the, the serpent, he comes in snake form, and, and he asks her, he says, I mean, but why can't you eat from that, that tree? Well, God said we will surely die. You won't surely die is what he says and and he was right they weren't gonna fall dead in that moment but they would begin to die and their their mortality would become a thing because before this moment they were immortal and so he he begins to move her he says god doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he doesn't want you to be like him now, Adam and Eve, man and woman, human, has been made in the imago Dei, the image of God. They have so many God-like qualities. They, God, when he looked at them, said they were good. He made them after himself, but he did not give them the knowledge of good and evil to protect them. He wanted them to be immortal. He didn't want them to have access to this evil. But Satan, when he was thrown out of heaven, as we learn in, the, in some of the prophets, I think Ezekiel, that he was thrown to the earth. And when he was thrown to the earth, he had a chip on his shoulder. And so if God is going to replace me with man, if I'm not going to get to be in his presence, surely man won't. Because up until this point, Adam has been walking with God every day in the cool of the day. He's been hanging out and communing with God and God has been enjoying his time. And so has Adam. Adam has not had to look for, ask for, seek anything. Everything has been his. And so what we begin to see is Eve is kind of stunned by this idea that God would withhold something from them, especially knowledge. And so she eats from the forbidden tree. And not only does she eat from the forbidden tree, she runs home and tells her husband with whom God had the conversation not to eat. You've got to eat from this tree. And Adam, with whom I believe really loved his wife and didn't want to experience life apart from her, ate it too. And God comes knocking and he says, hey, Adam, where are you? But Adam is too ashamed because now he's aware that he's naked and he's never been aware that he was naked before. Because now he has the knowledge of good and evil. And his innocence was stripped from him in a moment. And so everything that he thought that he was, everything that he thought that he had, everything that he had in an instant was ripped away. And so this idea, this concept of sin enters the picture. And all sin is, is missing the mark. It is, it is not obeying, not following through, not doing what you're supposed to do. Not, not, it, is, it, is, it is literally breaking a covenant, breaking a promise, breaking the law. They had one rule, don't eat from the tree. And man went from being made in perfection 
to being steeping in iniquity, sin, missing the mark. Create steepened in not being good enough. Steepened, cre- created, founded, born, conceived in not being whole. Now, I know that's countercultural because we want to believe that babies come into the world perfect. We want to believe that babies come into the world as if they are whole and taken and perfect and they are they have everything that we could ever imagine. We look into those big old dilated pupils and we are drawn in, sucked in to to them and we are just um, in love and enamored by them. But babies come into the world unwhole. And so I tell you all of this to introduce you to this concept of sin. And so we spend our entire lives trying to fix it. Even we see Adam in the Bible before God comes looking for him. He begins to knit together from fig leaves some clothes because in his mind he thought that he could fix the problem. I'm now aware that I'm naked. And since now I'm aware that I'm naked, I've got to fix the problem. And so he tries to sew together fig leaves, not understanding that something is going to have to die in order for this problem to be fixed. And so God comes and he says, Adam, who told you you were naked? God knows that I know that I wasn't naked all the time, but all the time you were unaware that you were naked. But I want you to see this, that that Adam kind of believes that he's got to fix the problems of his life forever. And even in the curse that God pronounces on them after he realizes what God already knew, after he, he acknowledges that they have sinned, is that they would spend their entire lives working. And many of us spend our entire lives trying to reconcile and understand ourselves, trying to understand why I think the way that I think, why I live the way that I live, why can't I get this right? Why am I not in love with my body? Why can I not understand you and understand me and understand my psyche? My generation, I'm a millennial, has spent more money than any generation in the past on our mental health. We are one of the most socially conscious generations in the modern age. I'm not talking about my grandparents who went and marched, but most socially conscious generations in the modern age, yet my generation is the most depressed, the most confused, and the most frustrated because we're trying to work to fix the world's problems, and that was not the solution. So you went to a revival, you went to a church service, something moved your heart made you desire more, made you feel whole for a second. I know the feeling. And you decided to invite Jesus Christ in your heart. And I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. I'm glad for you. Because here's the truth. You can do social justice all you want. You can scream Black Lives Matter to the top of your lungs. You can march on behalf of the Jews, the Muslims, and whomever. You can do all the things, all the right things at the wrong time or at the left time or the right time. But the truth of the matter is this. Until you realize that Jesus Christ himself is enough, you will never be enough. So you went to a revival and you got saved and you're asking the question, what did I just do? What you did 
is you acknowledged that I'm not enough. And it doesn't seem like no matter how many thousands of dollars I spend on counseling, it doesn't seem like no matter how many rallies I go to, how good of a company I work for, how much money I donate to charity, how perfectly I choose a spouse, how hard I work in school, get the degrees and get the career, no matter how great of a mother or father I am, it's all, none of it's going to work. And so, if you went to a revival, you went to a church service, and you gave your life to Christ, you made a good, a good choice. And I'm going to work really hard in, at, on this, and I'm going to try to unpack for you the glorious riches of the gospel and how you can practically walk that out. And we're going to talk about church membership, whether you need to belong to a church, what to look for. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about the, the basic tenets of our faith. We're going to talk about all of those things. Because I realized that you went to a revival one night. You went to a church service. Something deep resounded in your spirit. And you may not have the tools to move forward. And that's not fair. I grew up in a time, and I grew up in a church. I grew up in a time and in a church where we were trained, right? We were taught what happens after salvation. You couldn't join an auxiliary. I couldn't sing in the choir, usher the floor. I could probably do community service. Any of those things, it couldn't be active in the church until you gave your life to Christ. And so how to fundamentally live our our lives though i don't think that that was ever a thing and so i want to talk i want to talk through that because because the truth of the matter is if i don't understand that i was sinful or what happened in the garden and that adam and eve happened and and i blame adam and eve we you know i don't i don't really understand and my salvation will mean nothing to me it will keep you out of a hot hell after you die but there are benefits, like there are tangible benefits to walking in your Christianity. But here's the deal, right? If you walk, if you are a Christian, but you don't use some of the tools in the Bible, you don't get the benefits. Like if I am not actively pursuing God, if I'm not actively consecrating myself, if I'm not actively, I'm going to talk about all of these in, in later episodes, but if I'm not actively pushing and pressing myself into a place that honors God, truth is I will be saved, but I will not have benefits. But I, I, I tell you this, not to gloat, not to brag, but because I know it's true. True, I have been depressed. I have wrestled through anxiety all of my life. I have been in some pretty bad low states and have had to make some hard decisions that I don't know anybody else on this earth has, that has had to make. I'm sure they exist. I just don't know them. But... I know more peace. I exhibit a lot of joy. And doors have opened for me that I 
could not have calculated to open. And to that vein, to that point, what I know is that there is a peace and a joy that comes with your Christian walk with Jesus Christ because it's not a religion. And I know that that may be a new concept. That may be something you're not familiar with. But the longer or the more you walk with God, you'll understand this is a walk. He's my friend. We're in connection. And the wisdom and the understanding and the guidance that I get, it's for my good. Literally, there have been times where I walked into meetings and didn't have a clue what I was going to do or say. And all of the insight in the world came and the favor of the people in the room. And I'm not saying be unprepared, but there are benefits. You know, we hear about people doing spiritual things and being able to see things and do things. All of those are distortions and ripoffs of of, of, of having a, a relationship with God. Like it is literally a ripoff. But I promise you, if you use the tenets of your faith going forward, it's going to work. Well, good people, I have really enjoyed this. And I would hope that you would um, send me a message, leave a comment, rate this podcast share it with somebody if it's been a blessing to you. Um, like I said, I think going forward, we're going to, we're going to just talk about the things that you need to know as a Christian. I think you need to belong to a church and I'm going to talk about that eventually. Um, I don't think you need to belong to just any old church though. Um, and you don't have to join my church, (laughs) but I do think you need to belong to one and we'll talk about that. Um, but more than your church, I think if you didn't give your life to Christ that night, that you were overwhelmed with emotion, I think this is a good opportunity. And I think this is a great opportunity because God is beyond faithful. He's kind. He's loving. Um, and there are so many grand benefits, like not only favor with God, but favor with men. That's a benefit of walking with Jesus. Um, not just serenity but peace like peace that'll rock you to sleep when your life is falling apart and I don't know about you but I had some pretty bad situations that I should not have been able to sleep through the night but peace that'll rock you to sleep I'm talking about I'm talking about ways to get over anxiety without ever taking a pill like remedies remedies uh, and I'm not anti-therapy. I have had therapists. I have gone to therapy. Um, I know the podcast is unclinical therapy. I, I do realize that. But I firmly, holistically, and totally believe that the blood is enough. I, I believe going to therapy. I do believe that. But I'm going to tell you this. There have been times where therapy didn't do it. It didn't. Well, good people, I, uh, I'm glad, I'm excited about this, and I'm excited to see what God does with it. Um, y'all be blessed. Peace, peace.